You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Happy Almost Friday! It's a thing. It's a thing when you work overnight. It's a thing when you work hard throughout the week. It's a thing. Happy Almost Friday. If it's not yet a thing for you, you should make it a thing. Because when it's a thing, you obviously get a little more juice going into the weekend. And so producer Jay, who's not here tonight, actually had to take a night off for some personal reasons. Producer Jay and I have made it a thing where we do in fact, congratulate each other on reaching the final show of the work week. And we do in fact, congratulate each other on almost getting to Friday. So on this edition of the show, Carlos is filling in and I will wish Carlos Happy almost Friday because I don't know what his week has been like, but I know what my week has been like. And in a monsoon in the Northeast on Thursday night, Carlos, happy almost Friday. Happy almost Friday. My week wasn't bad. Not bad at all. Uh, I'm, it's never as good as yours. You know, what? I, I, Wait, I, how do you know? Oh, because you don't want to have my kind of week. Like, well, I, how do you know about what kind of week I had? I would assume just, you know, uh, what, uh, you know what you said you know earlier, what happens when, when you, you exactly, assume, you know what happens when you assume. So uh, I shouldn't assume maybe your week was terrible. I hope it wasn't. <laughs> I hope it was great. Well, that doesn't speak much about your week. Was your week terrible? No, it's just, I never have a day off. So I'm just, you know, all my days just kind of blend into one. Mm, I hear that. Usually I'm bringing up the wrong day here on the show. I rarely know the date. Uh, Once a week, maybe I know the date. Well, in light of that, thank you for giving up an evening off to be able to come and work with us here on After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You can find me on Twitter, A-Law Radio. We will endeavor to keep up the same level of insight, analysis, goofiness, entertainment, all of that without producer Jay. Uh, I know that he is your favorite on the show, so I regret to inform you that it's me and Carlos tonight, but I'm sure, uh, well, I, I'm relatively sure that Jay will return when the weekend is done. So there, you have that assurance. I did not actually chase him away. Not yet. So on Twitter, A-Law Radio, and then also on our Facebook page, and at some point in this first hour, we will put up the... Game of the week poll because, and and this is NFL, you know, there's no way people ask me, why don't you do a college football poll? Oh my gosh. Because there's so many games that I, I feel like people would get really mad at us. If we tried to narrow it down to four, it would end up coming down to rank teams. And there's so many good matchups, especially in October with conference play that have nothing to do with rankings. They're more about rivalries and history and pomp and circumstance and tradition and So that's the reason I don't do a college football poll. 
Plus, every single year, there's a game of the century, and it drives me crazy. The, the media hype is is outrageous. Uh, so this is an NFL poll. Now, we could obviously do a baseball poll like we did for the wild card weekend. We just didn't get on it earlier in this week, so maybe we'll save it for the point at which we get to the the championship series. Either way, uh, we do have Major League Baseball postseason. I don't want to bite off more than I can chew tonight. That usually ends up in someone choking. Uh, so we've got our our Houston game, Houston hosting Seattle. And then we've also got a triple header coming up on Friday. And did you know there's a quadruple header again on Saturday with all four of the series? Uh, they're, they're in Fuego on Saturday. So if you are planning to hang out and watch college football and be a college couch potato on Saturday, well, then you'll have some baseball when there's a commercial break. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Baseball is an attraction in and of itself. So all four of the series are taking place Saturday, and then we'll see how many games are necessary on Sunday. So that's what the weekend looks like. Baseball's loading up because of of starting a week late and, and starting the playoffs later than usual. Uh, they're trying to stick to this pretty strict schedule and hoping that people will spend some time watching on Saturday. I'm going to play golf on Saturday. So, yeah, I may miss the beginning of the Braves-Phillies series uh, that, that takes over Philadelphia. That's the first game of the four on Saturday. It's a big weekend for baseball, and once we get through this, we're down to the final four. So, a lot to talk about. And, of course, NFL. The kickoff to week number six. Washington at Chicago, and oh, the jokes about Thursday night football, about TNF on Prime. I tend to be a little more subtle when it comes to my jokes, but I did put this on Twitter a little while ago. Because I'm, I'm blown away by the amount of money that Amazon paid for these games. And not just for the rights to broadcast them, you guys. They also paid for the announcers. Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreit, which I do think they bring some good entertainment. I'm not sure if people tune in just for them. But at least they provide a commentary that's fun, enlightening, interesting. So Amazon paid for the rights, paid for the announcers, paid, of course, for all of those former players and broadcasters who are part of the pre and half and post game shows, paid for the reporters, the equipment, the travel. And I'm not saying you should feel badly for Amazon because the company clearly needs warehouses for its warehouses for its warehouses of money. So they're they're fine. Nobody needs to worry about Amazon and the the Bezos family. But I can't imagine they're thrilled with the product the last two weeks. And this is a recurring theme with Thursday Night Football, Amazon or no. It just happens that the last four teams we've seen on Thursday Night Football have struggled to score touchdowns because it happens to be two of, well, four of the offenses that are scuffling more than any other. And actually, Washington generally tends tends to put up some points. Thursday night football is just a, it's a tough night to turn around and play. And some of you pointed that out. So this is not anything new. We just have to suck it up on Thursday night football. And remember that it's the start of a brand new NFL weekend and there's more to come. So we're going to whet your appetite. We're going to give you a preview of week number six. 
Happy to take your calls. But we're, of course, going to start with what happened on Thursday night in Chicago. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Carlos, if you wouldn't mind putting our our Rocket Mortgage Studio read up on the screen for me so I do not forget them. Here's what stands out to me about the Bears' performance on Thursday night. Three trips inside the five-yard line, no points. You know that's hard to do, right? That's actually not easy to do when you're a professional football team. Three trips inside the five-yard line and no points. And it's not like it all happened early or it all happened late. Nope. They spread it out. Their futility was sprinkled throughout three of the four quarters. Justin Fields throws an interception in the first quarter. Khalil Herbert, big fan, is stuffed at the goal line in the second quarter. And the very end of the game, Darnell Mooney bobbles a ball that had he secured initially looked like he was over the goal line, but because he was bobbling it and then the the defense, of course, his momentum carries him back out of the end zone or at least the ball. Remember, the ball has to be in the end zone when it's being possessed. It's not really about the person. It's about the ball, which is why guys who are daring and risque can – hold the ball out over the goal line, even if they don't get there. As long as the player is not down on a knee or a butt cheek or an elbow or blah, 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 the ball just needs to cross the goal line. But because he didn't possess it firmly when the ball was across the goal line and because his momentum and the defender kind of pushed him backward, when Mooney catches the ball, he's not into the end zone and he never gets back into the end zone. Chicago, three trips, not just inside the red zone. So they're officially over three in the red zone. Not just three trips inside the red zone, but three trips inside the five yard line. No points. Now there were certainly some positives for the Chicago Bears, although it's it's kind of sad that they wasted 238 yards rushing. Are you kidding me? You just racked up 238 yards rushing against a a fellow NFL team, a defense that that actually did have some success. I mean, the Washington Commanders were all up in Justin Fields' grill all night long. He got battered. Similar to say how Matt Stafford was battered last week. Bruised. I'm sure really has got some pain that he's got to nurse through the rest and, and at least for the Bears, as much as the loss is sucky for them. At least they now have a mini buy, right? So there's that benefit to playing on Thursday night, although it only ever feels better for the winner. But yeah, Justin Fields got bashed and battered and bruised. Five sacks, a dozen quarterback hits, trying to get rid of the ball early. Now, he also had some impressive runs. There's one in the fourth quarter as they were getting into the red zone for the third time that shows off his athleticism to be sure. But how many people are going to remember that past Friday when it resulted in no points? So it's unfortunate for the Bears. They wasted 238 yards rushing, nearly double what the commanders had. 
Each team had a touchdown, so I suppose that's progress from Colts and Broncos a week ago. We actually got subject to overtime with that one. Oi, gag me with a spoon. I don't I can't do the accent. For those of you who know the 80s reference. <laughs> The 80s have some good stuff. My nieces tell me all the time, the 80s and the 90s are back, Auntie Amy. Oh, great. So I'm sort of relevant, and I mean, cool would be taking it way too far. They do not think I'm cool. But at least I'm relevant. I can speak their language. They wish they were part of the 80s and 90s. They're so cool, Auntie Amy. Yes, that's awesome. 400 yards of offense for the Bears, one touchdown. Again, that is not easy to do. That actually takes some... Really impressive wasting of opportunities. So we're going to break down this game. I do want to say it was great to see Brian Robinson out there. He had the touchdown for the Commanders. His first start as a rookie out of Alabama, but obviously delayed by what he went through to recover from getting shot in the preseason. His his teammates have been so thrilled to welcome him back. And to see him understand this opportunity and that it's not just football anymore, right? And and I remind people all the time, football is not life or death. Actually, I think I might have texted that to you, Carlos, didn't I, earlier? Yes, you did. Now, why did I text that to you? What was What was the text that you sent to me? I said that this game has me questioning my life. Right. So he was being melodramatic, let's be honest. He was being like a 16-year-old girl. And so I responded by saying to him, Okay, it's football. It's not life or death. Let's not hyperventilate over it. Of course, being sarcastic, which is what friends do. Actually, sarcasm is my love language, so I I use it fairly regularly. But in the case of Brian Robinson, it actually is, was life or death. And so he's never going to see football the same. And I actually think that that's powerful even if it's not football, right? How many of us can say that whether it was our own personal experience or the experience of someone that we know, someone that we care about, either they had a serious health issue, maybe they battled cancer and beat it, a terrible accident, one maybe that should have, left them for dead or should have killed them. If you look at the car, you see the circumstances. There's all kinds of moments in life that remind us that it's fleeting and it's precious and it's not to be taken for granted. And certainly, this is the case for Brian Robinson. It's football, yes. But it's nothing compared to the revelation of, man, how close you might have come to having all of this gone. And so it's amazing that he's back. He was playing his second game in five days, not even two months since he was shot twice in his leg in what was an attempted robbery. And the Alabama product was able to score his first career touchdown. So awesome to see his teammates so fired up for him and also to understand his newfound perspective. Again, I say it's powerful. Kind of puts you face-to-face with your own mortality and makes you realize, you can't take this for granted. Every day is precious. And so I'm excited for him. We've got a fired-up 
Ron Rivera. This is the Ron Rivera that I love. He's passionate. He's disciplined, though I think even more so because of his background, where he came from, how much he values discipline and order, how much he values treating his team like men, how much he values respect this last few days. And it's of his own doing, some of it has been really difficult for him, really challenging for him. He stepped into it earlier in the week. And again, this is on him. It's He can't blame anybody else, and I appreciate that he's spoken up and said, bleep, I had a bad day. And then he apologized to his team and also gave credit to Carson Wentz, who's not going to hold it against his coach, at least not publicly, because he could have made it a thing, and he's not. But Ron Rivera said earlier in the week, when asked the difference between the commanders and all of the other winning teams in the NFC East, his response without hesitation was quarterback. And even though he tried to circle and spin and explain, the damage was done. I love Ron Rivera. I respect him so much. I hate that this has been so frustrating for him the last few years. It's not all entirely on him, but certainly it's it's part of his responsibility. And they've had a revolving door at quarterback. And so maybe it would have been easier when the media reported on Thursday that it was Dan Snyder who wanted Carson Wentz. Don't you think it would have been easier for Ron Rivera to say, yep, that was the owner's decision? Except that creates all kinds of problems. So whether it was or it wasn't, and I'm not going to tell you that he's lying when he gets fired up and he defends the decision to bring in Carson and explains with swear words, explains the reason why he also wanted Carson there and how he did his due diligence. I'm not telling you he's lying because I don't think he is. But he could have let Dan Snyder take responsibility or, or essentially refused to comment on the story. So, yeah, it looks like it was Snyder's decision and not his. But after the mess he stepped into and the mess he created for himself earlier in the week, good for Ron Rivera for taking ownership. Yet another re- reason why I expect or respect him, excuse me. I don't know how long that situation is tenable in D.C. In fact, it's a powder keg right now. And I don't just mean Ron Rivera and Carson Wentz. And the fact that the team, yes, just ended that it's four-game win streak, but is only two and four. I mean the situation with Snyder. They've got owners meetings in New York coming up next week. I don't know if Snyder's welcome. I don't know if he's there. I just know he's starting to pop up now. And the stories, the reports, doesn't sound like he's changed much in the course of his suspension, if you believe the stories. So we have a lot to talk about. As I say, you can find me on Twitter, A-Law Radio, and then also on our Facebook page. I'm excited to connect with you as we head into another football weekend. I just want you to know, full disclosure, I walked into the building and realized my black top was completely covered with dog hair. Fantastic. It's because it was pouring down rain in my neighborhood, and and Penny does not love it when I wipe her down with a towel. Penny, my Australian shepherd slash golden retriever, who is, who's hairy. I mean, she's hairy. And she does not love it when I have to wipe her feet because she's a drippy mess. 
So I have to kind of hug her to wipe her feet. Otherwise, she scoots off of the off of the mat and is tracking her wet feet through my house with my hardwood floors. So I drive a I drive a tight ship, or I I sail a tight ship. I run a tight ship. <laughs> I run a tight ship, like I'm in the navy or something. Uh, I run a tight ship in my house, and I don't allow dogs with wet feet to go all over my hardwood floors. That'll be the same for kids, right? Don't you love how I think I'm in control? And so I have to hug the dog to be able to wipe her feet. And then I got, I didn't see it because it was, it was dark in my house. And it was dark in my car. And I get into work. I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Whole front of my black shirt is covered with dog hair. So it's a good thing you can't see me. Although if you can see me or if you could see me, I bet you would laugh. If you're a dog owner, you would definitely laugh. So on Twitter, On our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence, just getting started. We'll dive into football coming up next. And then, of course, we've got yet another humongous moment for one Jordan Alvarez, uh, which I kind of feel smart since we had a whole conversation about him last night with Steve Sparks. (laughs) Thanks for hanging out with us here on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Listening to After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Well, make the most of our time together, Ait. Pleasure to speak with you. I always have a great time. Huge fan. So glad to have a female voice on sports radio. I love you. I love this to you so. Girl makes the rules around here. <laughs> you are absolutely right, Amy. I listen to you every morning on my way to work, and I appreciate, as do millions of others, that you report like you do. Love it when chicks call the show. Boom! Shout It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Amy's taking your calls at 855-212-4CBS. Fields under center, Ecumenia St. Brown, right of the formation. Snap, take, fakes the end around. Now he's going to throw to a wide open grip, and he couldn't reach him. Out of his hands, out of the reach of his hands. On the blue NFC logo on the right corner of the end zone. It's third and four. What I like about the play, there is two fake handoffs that completely confuse the defenders. That's why that tight end was so wide open, and that's usually a throw that Justin easily makes. Equimania St. Brown to the right, Pettis in motion, takes turns, gives Khalil Herbert, dives, and the Washington Commanders say they've turned him away, yeah. and that's exactly what has happened. The runner is short of the goal line. Didn't get in. Two trips inside the 10, and no points for the Bears. Ooh, and that was just a precursor of what was to come. An interception in the first quarter. Khalil Herbert stuffed on the goal line in the second. So no touchdowns at that point. And 
And the points were once again hard to come by on Thursday Night Football on Prime. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. We're going to get to some of the other big moments from the perspective of Washington because obviously these are successes for the Washington defense. But the very end of the game comes down to yet another opportunity for the Bears that they need to capitalize on. Slide. Awaits the snap, it's down, the kick is up from 48 yards, the kick is no good! Bears have decent field position to start what they hope can be a game-winning drive. Bears left to right, shotgun again, snap is back, fields with a shoulder shrug. Now going to leave the pocket, room to run if he wanted to. Slows down to the 45, cuts up field, hits the gas, 30, 20, 15, 10, and down of bounds. <laughs> Inside the 10-yard line, Justin Fields on a Fields trip to the 5 with 52 seconds to go. Montgomery, the long back, they put Fields under center, takes the snap. Going to stand in the pocket, throws right front side of the end zone. Darnell Mooney, the catch. Darnell Mooney, there's no indication. Discussion underway, no call made. Has he shoved out of bounds? Does he have the catch? Did he hit the pylon? Which is it? <laughs> Hands on hips with 30 seconds to go. Is a catch short of the goal line. The runner bobbled the ball. First down, Washington. Turned away in Chicago. It was a theme on Thursday Night Football. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer on the Bears radio network. So for first-year head coach Matt Eberflus, he sees his team fall now to a third consecutive loss. Um, in the NFC, there's still plenty of opportunity. It's not like there's a ton of separation, though the Vikings lead that division right now with a 4-1 and one record. Um, and it, was, it wasn't just uh, the fact that they wasted the, uh, these opportunities, but 238 yards rushing. And then the fact that when it comes to those plays on the goal line, you have this athletic quarterback, but there was a, a missed throw and just not using the weapons that they have in a way that would allow them to capitalize and allow them to come away uh, with at least something inside the five-yard line. It's all about execution. You know, it comes down to six or seven plays, and I told the guys, listen, it's, it's, we're right there. We're right there. You just got to keep believing and keep believing in what we're doing, how we're doing it. And uh, we're right there, and we're going to get over that hump right there. I think he took a step forward. I really do, because because the the, the you know he was uh, the toughness, you know, and the able to the ability the what's for me the ability to take the ball and drive it down at the very end to give us a chance to win it. That's to me what was the improvement. Okay, <laughs> was there other moments you know that he we needed to clean up and Grass offense thing. needs to clean up? Sure, Grass but if we had awesome. the drives down there, and if we punch those in, the game's a different game. You know, it's good. That's 21 points, right? So, um, for me, that was really uh, inspiring to watch him do that at the very end to take us down to win it um, at the very end. And, and again, we came up short, but uh, we got to do a better job next time. Everybody's not. I mean, nobody's happy about his loss. Um, you know, uh, just we always get told that we're almost there. We're almost there, like. Me personally, I'm tired of being almost there. I'm tired of being, you know, just just this close. Uh, I feel like I've been hearing it for so long now. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, all you can do is get back to work. Um, that's the only reaction you have. You live and you learn. And 
get back next week and you know keep keep going, keep getting better. Mm. Justin Fields, Matt Eberflus. You can hear the complete opposite end of the spectrum with them. Matt actually says that it's inspiring. It's inspiring. Am I the only one that didn't think that was inspiring to watch? And I get the whole if we get into the end zone those three times, that's 21 points, but they didn't. They didn't even get field goals in that case. And on these Thursday night games, or at least the last couple, field goals are so valuable. No, the decision-making, the execution, just a mess. It, and I'm glad he sees progress. The fact that they got into the red zone is progress. Okay. But, man, is that setting the bar really low. And then you hear the opposite end, which is Justin Fields so frustrated. He does have 88 rushing yards, nearly half of them coming on that, that big scamper with about a minute to go that got them into the red zone. 14 of 27 for just under 200 yards passing and a touchdown. And yeah, he was under siege a bunch. The offensive line's not always helping him out, except they had 238 yards rushing and still somehow did not get into the end zone. So that's a a bit of the Chicago perspective coming up. We're going to talk about the Washington Commanders because it's not just been a win for them to end their losing skid, but it's also been a week in which they have dealt with a lot of drama swirling around them, some created internally, some generated externally. So we'll do that next. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. goal here. Two tight ends both move in motion to the right side of the line. Robinson standing next to Wentz at the six-yard line. Now here comes Curtis Samuel. Hand off Robinson up the middle of the line. Heading towards the goal line and in! Touchdown! Touchdown Washington! The first career rushing touchdown for Brian Robinson Jr. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Ooh, a lot to unpack in that particular sequence, but yeah. uh, The Bears... With their missed opportunities, the Bears with their mistakes and their miscues, opening up short fields and into those moments, the commanders roll. Brian Robinson, love it. You hear Bram Weinstein and company on the commanders radio network. And so to see Brian Robinson get his first NFL TD was awesome. And we'll hear from him coming up. Um, But the commanders weren't great offensively themselves. Two of 11 on third down. They only had 214 yards. But when you give them these shorter fields, uh, when you kind of tee it up or put the ball on a tee, I should say, uh, serve it up on a silver platter. You know me, I'm constantly mixing my metaphors. Uh, It's really difficult for a pro team to not capitalize on moments like that. And so, yes, the Bears with a muffed punt opening things up for the Brian Robinson touchdown. That's the only one for the commanders in this game. However, the defense came up big over and over again. 
Sam Mustap around the ball. Checks being made. The line of scrimmage. Snap back. Fields. Feels the pressure. Throws hit as he delivered, and he had no juice on the throw. Swallowed up on the play by Washington's push up front. Justin on his back right now, and slowly getting up with help from teammates. With 14 seconds left in the first half. That dinged him a little bit. He's bending over and he's trying to get himself right as he heads back to the huddle. This time they rush three and drop eight in the pocket. He's got to move up again. He throws on the crosser. It is caught over the middle. Dropped by Pettis. Breaks a tackle. First out of the 45. Four seconds left in the half. They take a timeout. They get to the 45. And now Justin hit again. Getting up rather slowly in this one taking a little more time to get himself right and with all the attention going on about the safety of players especially the quarterback position and he's he's bent over pretty good here he needs some help Jeff Joniak on the Bears radio network yeah he was taking a couple of of ticks here or there after big hits to just breathe and then there was also a sequence uh, of course on the sidelines uh, where he was going through his yoga breathing. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that, I don't remember if it was a reporter or Al Michaels, they were talking about the fact that he's big into yoga and that he was doing some 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 six counts. My yoga instructor uses those, some four counts, some six counts. You inhale for four, you hold for four, you exhale slowly for four, or you do it uh, with six. So he needed all of that to keep going. Five sacks, a dozen quarterback hits, of course, the interception. He did have close to 300 yards of total offense, and the Bears were able to get up and down the field against the Commanders, but they were unable to capitalize on their opportunities, and the Commanders did just enough. And again, that means Brian Robinson getting in to the end zone for his first time as a professional football player starring in this return, his start with the Commanders. Uh, And so awesome for him. 17 carries for 60 yards and then that fourth quarter touchdown that was so instrumental for the Commanders. And this moment, great right now. I'm so excited, like, for the past six weeks, you know, you know, everybody know the story of just how how things been. You know, just getting back out here on the field was one thing for me, but to be able to come out here and start the game and you know, kind of lead my team to the victory on the road, you know, it's big time for us, man. It's just you know something we could definitely grow on. You know, uh, you know, kind of build up on this momentum. You know, get back and you know just find new ways to get better. And you know, I'm just gonna continue to you know work on myself. You know, come in week in and week out, just you know find ways to improve. You know, help my team. I've said it since he came back. Obviously, the, the real-life side of it um, was cool to get him back last week and then huge to get him um, in the end zone this week for his first of, of hopefully many, um, but especially the, the point in the game, critical, crucial point in the ball game that we needed to score, we needed to get in, and uh, I think we kind of all knew we were going we to give him the rock a couple times down there, and uh, he got it done for us, and uh, I, was, I was happy for him, proud of him, and uh, like I said, hopefully the first of many. I'm just so thankful and uh, appreciative for, you know, all the guys in that locker room, man. They, you know, they, they showed me nothing but love, you know, care throughout that whole time. And I can't, I can't think, do nothing but thank them, you know, for just helping me, you know, kind of get back on my feet, you know, just pushing me every day. I came in the building, you know, you know, just telling me, you know, God got a purpose for me and, you know, just keep going. You know, my time going to come, you know, and I, and I, I stayed true to that. You know, I came in there prepared every day and now look at us. That's awesome. And that last cut there about the locker room support is on the TNF post game show. 17 carries, 60 yards in his first start. 
and a fourth quarter touchdown that was huge to put the commanders in front after a Bears muff punt. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence. You can find our show Twitter, After Hours CBS. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter, A Law Radio, and on our Facebook page, too. And we'll get up that After Hours Game of the Week poll when we have the opportunity. But let's transition a little bit to a couple of the other controversies that are surrounding the commanders this week. Now, the 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 Ron Rivera comment about quarterback being the one element that separates the commanders from the other winning teams in the NFC East, he has no one to blame but himself. However, even after he apologized on Tuesday and after Carson Wentz indicated, hey, he went in front of the team in a team meeting. He explained what he meant. He apologized to us. He accepted responsibility. They were going to let it lie, I'm assuming, or it would have died at some point if it didn't have extra fuel. Then comes this report on Thursday that it was Dan Snyder who forced Carson Wentz or forced the trade for Carson Wentz. And that it had nothing to do with Ron Rivera, that it wasn't Ron's choice to bring in Carson. Okay, so then you want to talk about fuel to the fire. That adds to it. So post-game, even after a win, they don't turn the ball over in this game, which is huge for the commanders. He has to answer questions about these reports that it wasn't his choice to bring in Carson. Honestly, I'm going, to, I'm going to speak my mind for a second. For honestly, uh, it's been hard. It really has. You lose four games in a row, and everybody wants to get you, you know, just get on you. And they've played their asses off. They have. They play their asses off for everybody. They come out and they show up. They work hard. All right. They don't complain. Okay. They hear all the stuff and they got to deal with it. I get that. And I respect them for that because they're resilient. They come back. Everybody keeps wanting to say, "I don't want anything to do with Carson." Well, I'm. The guy that pulled out the sheets of paper, that looked at the analytics, that watched the tape in the freaking, when we were at Indianapolis, okay? And that's what pisses me off, because the young man doesn't deserve to have that all the time. I'm sorry, I'm done. Passionate, angry, obviously frustrated, and even coming off a win, that's how edgy and tense things are right now with the commanders. And again, he created the issue himself initially, but this one, this report, this moment was external. And, and there's more, of course. In fact, if you didn't listen to what Al Michaels had to say later in the game or you're watching on Prime to catch this, uh, Al Michaels brings up the reports that are swirling around Dan Snyder. There was a report today on ESPN alleging that Snyder is accumulating damaging info on other owners and Roger Goodell is leverage. There he is in the middle. To avoid being voted out of the league, R. Michael Smith reporting before the game, Snyder's the subject of five different investigations or inquiries for sexual harassment, a toxic work environment, financial irregularities. This has been an ongoing story with the investigations and all of that. And the owners have a meeting scheduled in New York on Tuesday. It is not currently on the agenda. Fields under pressure. Just my feeling, I think what the league would love is for Snyder to sell the team. Not have to go to a vote, but just sell the team. Because it's become a major problem around the league, obviously. Al Michaels, who's been in the NFL for a, a long time, sharing that report was done 
by ESPN that was released. And if you haven't read the stories, well, you may want to go ahead and do that. But this idea that Snyder, in order that he cannot be forced to sell the team, and and that's an extensive process. So going back to the summertime, do you remember when Roger Goodell was called to testify on Capitol Hill, quote unquote, he actually did it via Zoom, but he was called to answer questions by a committee investigating the commanders, the Snyder's business practices, the NFL investigation, whether or not it was protecting him. And he was asked repeatedly by one congresswoman about causing Snyder or forcing Snyder to sell the team. And Roger Goodell came back with, I can't do that. I don't have that power. And he's right. He works for the owners. They don't work for him. He's the CEO of a company that features 32 owners. Green Bay Packers situation being a little different, of course, but still, there's there's ownership there. He works for them. And they've got bylaws in place. And yes, they could take a vote and they could force Snyder to sell. And so what Snyder is doing, according to this report, is compiling dirt, damaging intel. If I'm going down, you're going down with me. If you're going to out me and expose me, then I'm going to make sure everybody knows about your skeletons in the closet. I'm going to make sure everybody knows about your dirty secrets. You want to screw with me? Watch how I can hurt you. You want to take away my team, my livelihood, blah, blah, blah. Watch what I can do in return. A Snyder scorned, right? And one of the quotes in there is that, He's told people privately they can't bleep with me, meaning they can't. They wouldn't dare try to force me to sell my team because I can get back at them in ways that will hurt them. He also had this quote, and take everything with a grain of salt because Snyder is like a a cornered rabid animal right now. The NFL is a mafia. All the owners hate each other. But the report is that he's gathered enough secrets to blow up a bunch of owners, including Roger Goodell. It's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 